Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here in our worship time today, for our chance to gather and give you thanks for how you bless us in life, and also to grab hold of the idea you do make a way always for us. Whatever situation we might be in today, there's always an answer for us, because you're our God and we're your people. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the last message of a series on the book of Romans called Saved to Be a Disciple. That's eight weeks going through the book. We'll be blessed by it. Uh, and if you've not yet read all of it, there's still plenty of time to do that. It's not a hard book to read, so grab hold of that and, and kind of bring us all together in one place around what that book says. I'm going to begin with an illustration today on this message of good and evil uh, and really about what the series is all about. Uh, I was in the military, as many know, and the Navy. Uh, I remember going to boot camp and reaching a really the culmination was you got to wear your dress uniform for the very first time. You couldn't wear it till you actually were, were in a place they let you wear it. And so for me, it was a white uniform with my stripes on it, uh, the bell-bottom pants, you know, the, the shine shoes, all that Navy, uh, all that Navy stuff, uh, you know, uh, doing the neckerchief just right, putting it around your neck. It's what I did. Uh, now, here's how it didn't work. I didn't put it on and say, now I'm done, I'm going home. That's not how it worked. I got my uniform, now I can quit. That's not how it worked. Uh, I got to spend a few days at home, and then Navy began. Uh, the real work, the real training, the, uh, the dungarees and the boondocker uh, boots that I would wear kind of work began to happen. That's how it's supposed to be. Christian life is really just like that. This series has been titled, Saved to Be a Disciple. We've been taught in Romans that we are saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The words in Romans are, we are justified by our faith. Our faith in Christ is what gives us grace and salvation that God offers us in the good news of the cross and resurrection. But we are saved by that work of God. That's not the end. Now it really begins. Now we begin to grow in being a disciple, which is the follower of Jesus Christ. Learn what that looks like. We partner with God in our faith and our living. We look at what the Bible teaches us. We open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And now life is to be lived from now on in that discipleship following Jesus' journey. That's not, that's not all that easy to do. And the title of the day speaks of that, good and evil. And what is that? And how do we as disciples of Christ live in a world full of good and evil as we struggle with it ourselves in our own personal journey? And I'll give you a second illustration with a picture I want you to see. It's a picture of Megiddo, which is in uh, Israel. We were here actually in February with many of our church family for uh, a period of time. Megiddo is one of the oldest cities in the world. In fact, it was built long before Moses ever uh, had the people of Israel step foot into Israel. Uh, and back in these days, they had all kinds of things they did, a Canaanite world again, a pre-Christian Jewish world when this was built. Well, it came time to, you can take that picture off now, but we stopped at a place there, uh, and uh, Sippy, who was our uh, tour leader, she's a Hebrew and from Israel, and Sippy's easier to say than her real name, so she goes by Sippy, and uh, I sat down on a block of stone about this wide, about this narrow, uh, while she was talking to all 60, all, the whole bunch of us, and after a while, she saw me there. And she began to laugh and said, I'm glad you're sitting there. And then I realized I better get up because something was getting ready to come. And I was worried what it might be. And I said, well, this isn't where they made human sacrifices, is it? She said, yes, it is. It's exactly where you're sitting, where they make human sacrifices. I said, well, I think I'll remove myself from this particular spot. 
Now, I want you to think about the term sacrifice and what it really means around the ideas of good and evil, especially as Romans teaches them to us in Romans chapter 12, good and evil. And what I think, and what I think the Bible teaches, uh, evil and good really is. Uh, we sometimes uh, have evil as a mysterious idea. We probably get too much of that idea from maybe movies, horror movies, things like that. It's not the biblical definition of evil at all and where the source of evil is. The source of evil is this. It is absolutely self-centeredness or selfishness, where I am all that matters, and therefore I live like that. And good is selflessness. That's where I can see the needs others have, and I want to serve and bless and help them in their life. And here's what I want to say quickly. We live in a culture where people are very intent, many are anyway, on sacrificing others on the altar of their own happiness. That means it's okay for me to sacrifice other people for my self-benefit or what I want, need, the pleasure I would like to have or what I think makes me happy. And that's a broad idea, really what people might do for their own selfishness, own selfish needs, concerns, wants, desires, even if they want to find that as happiness they can. And so people do that all the time in our culture. They sacrifice others. And that is biblical teaching of where evil comes from. Evil is birthed in I'm all that matters. Good is birthed in others matter because I matter to Jesus. And that's that really clear story. Uh, The core self-centeredness is the core of evil in our culture and our world. Uh, the, word de- the actual definition of the word evil in this text is uh, bad, hurtful, damaging, and wicked. That's the definition in the, in the Greek word that is interpreted in those ways. Now, again, we live in a culture that leans toward narcissism, individualism, and, a, and, an, and, a, and an exaggerated sense of self-importance. And this passage talks about that. I'm paraphrasing it around the world we live in today. Now, in that kind of world, we're guaranteed to encounter evil in others and sometime in ourselves and not recognize where it comes from. And we discover a change of heart when we encounter Jesus Christ who gave his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. So you're with me on the biblical undergirding of this good and evil idea as we figure out how we're going to interact with all that ourselves today and what it means, what I do with that. Again, evil, hurtful, bad, wicked, damaging. Self-centeredness where others do not matter, and so anything I do is now okay. Instead of good, which is the idea that everyone matters and therefore sacrificing for others is what good really is. Jesus being the prime example of what good is. Because that's what he is. He was good. He was good. He lived the good life. And the culmination was sacrificing himself for the sins of the the entire world. Now, here are two uh, initial thoughts I want to share with you. Uh, The first is, how does good interact with evil in us or in others in our world in general? How do we do it? So I want you to think about that that process with me. I want you to join me in where we're going. How does good interact with evil? Because that's what the world is. There's evil in our world. 
Even in my day, I encounter evil all the time. How do I, as a Christian, a one who's justified by faith, who's made a decision to become a disciple, how do I interact with evil? And that's the second question. How does a disciple of Jesus Christ interact with evil? How does someone who says, okay, I believe in Jesus, I want to follow him. Now, how does that change how I interact with evil in my world, in my environment, in my day-by-day living? And now the verse again, 1221, that Linda read the last verse of of that chapter. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So now that I have turned to Christ, come into my heart, forgive me my sins, save my soul, what do I do? What does a disciple do? How does a disciple live? How do I respond to that in my new lifestyle that God gives me? Well, I try to overcome evil with good. That's what I do. And that can cover every aspect of our life if we see it as such. It's fleshed out a lot in other biblical teaching in Romans and other places. But again, how do I now overcome evil with good in the world we can live in? We all experience evil. Uh, Evil in our world that comes to us. Evil that hurts us. Evil that we have participated in ourselves. And evil times we hurt others. That's part of everybody's life. As I've defined evil in the biblical teaching in this text. So again, I don't think about the, the movies that has evil in another way, somebody with an axe running and chasing people. We're talking about selfish self-centeredness at least to hurting other people because I, I, think I, I think I owe that to myself so I can be happy. Again, we're talking about that. I need you to understand that. So we, 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 this evil can define us if we're not careful. I'm rejected sometime in my life. Somebody rejects me unfairly. And that hurts me, that evil, selfish act hurts me. And it can define me if I'm not careful. Uh, I can experience a, re- a, a betrayal. Someone I care about or trust betrays me. And that betrayal marks me. If I'm not careful, that evil can define me instead of good, which is how Christians are supposed to be defined. Uh, the very overwhelming picture of evil we have in our world and we see that all the time. It's, it's astonishing. It's amazing. We, we can't believe what happens in the world we live in, our own community, uh, our own neighborhoods, our own state, but the world in general around, you know, we see evil acts all the time. We can't believe it when we see what evil men and women can do in our world. What we've experienced, what we've done, what we know about. And if, we, if, we're, if we're not careful, we can get bitter because of it. There's a lot of bitter people out there. There's even bitter Christians. We can become pessimistic about the world we live in. We can become resentful, protective, isolated. It can damage the very role of discipleship God calls us to do, thinking that we can't do anything about it. And so so we simply let evil tell us who we are even if we're not doing it. Certainly if we are doing it, we've already given in to what evil is in our world. And the verse says, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, I overcome evil with good. That's what I do. That's how I live. Well, next two points I want to share with you that speak to this. Evil demands a response. 
I cannot ignore it. Either I respond by allowing it to damage me personally, isolate me, or create bitterness or pessimism in me, or I try to do good in the world God calls me to serve. I sacrifice, I live a selfless life, I serve other people, I serve God in my world. But I have to respond one way or the other. I can't ignore it. I will not be in a situation where I can act like it does not exist. I am going to have some kind of response whether I want to or not. But we're called upon to hear what God says and respond as the Bible teaches. And the second response, the second word here is our decision to follow, to follow Christ defines what that response looks like. So we sign on the dotted line. And now it's going to change what I do. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You saved me. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to follow you. And what is following you? Well, it's doing good. And I'm going to allow that now to define my choices in my life. How I treat other people, how I live, how I give in a church, how I worship, how I involve myself in service, how I treat everybody I come in contact with. I'm going to allow that. It's going to change everything. A few weeks ago, I made a decision uh, with a friend of mine to, uh, to run my first marathon. Been putting it off and saying, no, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it before I get where I can. So I'm going to run a marathon. And, and that's easy to do. It's easy to say, you, you do it online, you pay your money, and they send you a little thing in the email saying, you're signed up. No, you're done. No, you're not. You're not done. You're not finished. Now it changes. It's going to change every day till January 25th when the marathon is. Okay. Well, that's the way it is, I think, when we make a decision to say, I'm going to choose to follow Christ. Now it begins, and now it changes every day of my life that I've made that decision, what that's going to look like. We respond in these ways. And here's some of the pictures I want to share with that I hope will be helpful you as they have me. I mentioned earlier that we have a team that's in Mexico right now, Matamoros, and I've been down there as well with teens in the past. We've had a relationship with that part of Mexico for almost 20 years, sending teams down there to uh, uh, Bougainvillea is the area that we go to in Matamoros, which is basically uh, a slum area of that part of Matamoros. Uh, and one of my experiences, one of my first experiences going down there was in August, and it was extremely, extremely hot. I can't say enough how hot it was in August uh, there in Mexico. Uh, one of the jobs that we did where I was working with a few people in our church, some of our, some of our college kids were with me as well, uh, was working outside where a dump was. Now, when you say dump in Mexico, you mean dump. I mean, it's a serious dump right there. But we're building, though, a small house, really more of a hut, for a couple to live in. And when we're working on that, that house, uh, we do the work all day long. One of the things we did was we had to uh, make, we had to put, get cement together. And there was no machinery to do it with, so we actually mixed the cement or concrete on the ground with shovels and hose. That's hard work in itself. Uh, no electricity, so we had to use hand saws to saw the wood. Hard, hard, hard work. The couple we were building the house for would come every day pretty much, and they would come, and they would, there was a piece of plywood there on the side, right where we were, and they would come and lay down there and sleep. And they would just sleep on that piece of plywood every day uh, while we were out there working in the hot sun. Now, you know, you can imagine what we're thinking uh, while that's going on. Uh, there was also dogs in the area, and for whatever reason, no one cleans up the little reminders that dogs were present. 
And so you think we had to do that as well so we could walk around. And it seemed like at least they could, you know, do that. And, and so we could easily have, have simply said, well, we're not going to do it for that reason. And so you realize why you do what you do. It's not because that you have a particular outcome you want, and that's the American way of thinking. We do everything around the outcome we're looking for. Well, I want to change this, make that better, fix this, repair that, change everybody, make the whole world the way I want it to look like. You know, if I can, I'm going to do one thing and the whole world's going to change, it's going to look like what I want it to look like. That's not, well, we don't do good because of that. We do good because of who we are. It's not about the response or the outcome. It's about following Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, and being doing good. Hear me now, doing good is its own reward. I don't have to have an outcome that I want. I don't have to have an outcome that I expect. I don't, have, I don't have to have someone just jump up and all of a sudden become who I think they ought to be and grab a hoe and start working with me. No, no, that's not how it works. Playing on a basketball team a number of years ago in a previous church, uh, we were playing against another church there in a, in a, in a league, uh, and one of the guys in my church showed up for the first time to play with us. And he uh, didn't know anything about him very much about his basketball ability. And he was about six foot four. And it wasn't long till we realized this guy could play basketball. Our team wasn't the best in the world, believe me. We won about half our games, but he was really good. Turned out he had played for Indiana during, in college years. Uh, maybe the premier basketball school in the nation was who he played for in his college years. And boy, he was good. He could do everything you, could do on a, you needed to do on a basketball court. Now, he could have said, this team I'm playing on deserves to lose. They're not very good. So I'm going to play halfway because they're not a very good team. They deserve to lose. This team I'm playing against, they're not very good either. They don't deserve my best. I'm not going to give them my best. I'm just going to play halfway. No, no. When he got the basketball in his hands, he had to play the best he could because he's from Indiana, and he played for Indiana, and that's what he's going to do, and that's what he did, and that's what a Christian's about. It doesn't matter what the world is doing or not doing. God's put the ball in our hands, and you just do good because you do good, because you do good, because that's who you are, and that's the good that overcomes evil in not only in the world we live in, but in you and in me. There's evil in us. When we do good for that reason, not only are things changed in the world I live in at different levels, but I'm changed first and foremost because I am becoming a disciple who is doing exactly what Jesus did for men who betrayed him, denied him, questioned him, and crucified him. And we are those people that he has saved because he did that for you and me. That's how it works. I'm an Indiana basketball player. I can't do anything else but give my best. That's who I am. We are Christians. That's what we do. Now, I want to add two more uh, verses that I think speak very clearly today uh, to this. Uh, The first is from Chip Ingram, uh, who I love many things that he writes. He's very clear and concise and easy to understand. Uh, He says this, we are never more like Jesus than when we are treating people in a way that they do not deserve. Thank you, God, for not treating me like I deserve. But give me who, who you want, what you want me to have because of who you are. God's my Father. He's your Father. He blesses us because of who He is. He's going to be faithful. 
The Bible says when we are faithless, he is faithful still because he cannot deny himself. God will not deny who he is. So the rain upon the just and the unjust because that's what God does. And he wants us to do the very same thing. And so we are, we are never more like Christ than we simply give to others what they do not deserve. It's not being a hypocrite to do that. It's being like Jesus when we do that. No matter how we feel or what we think. And so we kept right on working on that house. Kept right on sawing wood. Kept right on mixing concrete until the home was finished. And that young couple moved into that house. Because that's who we are. That guy kept shooting the ball, kept passing the ball, kept uh, playing defense because that's who he is. It didn't matter how bad everybody else was around him. He was going to play good. And we're called upon to do good. Another, another quote, this is from me, that I want you to hear. God is most interested in the relationship he wants, to have, he wants us to have with him, the transformation he wants to make in our hearts. And selflessness creates change and transformation and makes us different, makes us new. In a culture designed around sacrificing others, the Christian sacrifices him or herself. In a culture designed around whatever I must do to be happy, I'm going to do. The Christian says, I'm happy when I get to do good as God has done good for me. Transformation, change, relationships, Life made new, good. The core of First Methodist Church Mansfield is this truth I'm teaching you now and sharing with you today. Uh, we talk about it all the time in our leadership, at our leadership levels. Our pastors talk about it a lot. We do so many things. We encourage you to do so many things that are really around just doing good regardless of the outcome. The church could easily decide we only want to do things that benefit the church in the way we understand benefit, which typically is budgets and bodies is what we, what, what, and buildings. So churches work around those three things. That's what they do. Anything that benefits that, they work on. They may forget other things. We don't do that here. What benefits the kingdom of God, what is good, we want to do. So we create a ministry for uh, special needs kids. Uh, that is an ongoing thing and part of our church family. There's not a lot of benefit for the church as a whole. Most of you probably don't even know that that happens on an almost weekly basis. But that exists because Jesus said to do good. That's how we respond to evil in our world, by serving those kids and their families in remarkable ways. Do that all the time. Mission Center gives out uh, food and, and, and uh, uh, financial, financial help and uh, counseling help in all kinds of ways every day. Sometimes it makes a difference, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes someone's life has changed, sometimes maybe it's not. But we do it anyway. The good is done day to night because Jesus says do it and so we're going to do it. And that goes to, to broad broad level. I don't have time to really talk about here service today, but that's what we think about when we try to decide the things we're going to do and not going to do as a church family. How we individually should think the very same way. So we're talking about good. We're talking about evil. And so what do I do as a disciple of Jesus Christ? What do I do as someone who's asked Christ to come into my heart and life and save me? What do I do? Well, we're told that good is what overcomes evil. Just do good and let God worry about the rest. 
Let God worry about revenge if that's needed. Let God worry about punishing others. Let God worry about, let God worry about that. That's not your job, not my job. My job is to do good. And that's what a disciple does. Will you pray with me, please? <clears throat> uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Romans, all that's taught us in this series. The words about how we're justified by faith. The words about telling us who we really are as your people. The words that talk about surrender to you. The words today that talk about this unique way of living one's life, just doing good. Because of the good you've done for us. Lord, you know we complicate things so much. And we see evil in our world, we want to run and hide sometime. Evil that's hurt us, God, sometimes we just want to get resentful and bitter and go isolate ourselves. God, that's our human inclination to do. But we hear you, God, calling us out of that and beyond that to a better place, a healthier place. Simply overcoming evil by doing good, by good, as you brought good to us in the good news of Christ and him crucified. We pray in his name. Amen.